Yeah, well, I can tell you that we definitely didn't have that at the company we both worked at together. That was the most siloed organisation yes. ever. Hello and welcome to episode 200 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. It's Saturday the 13th of January. I hope 2024 is treating you well and you're staying as sane as you feel you need to be. Yes, I've got to 200 episodes. And if you remember that whole pandemic thing, this was a lockdown project that started with the question, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? And maybe the world didn't need another effing marketing podcast, but it's found its place. It's been a lot of fun and I'm delighted to have shared this with you. And who am I? I'm your host, Ian Truscott. I'm a three-time CMO and trusted marketing advisor. Please come say hello. You can find links to me and my guests in the show notes at rockstarcmo.com. No celebrations this week. I did that for the end of year special. So just business as usual with Jeff Clark and I discussing the five dysfunctions of teams. And I then get transported away in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar with Robert Rose for a cocktail and a marketing film. But first... We need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. On to our first segment, the Rockstar CMO Studio with Jeff Clark, our resident strategy advisor, former Forrester Research Director, and this week we turn our attention to the team. Come in, come on into the studio, and um, by the way, shake the snow off your boots <laughs> at the door. Is that a clue as to what the weather's like up there? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we had a we had a big snowstorm. We finally, we finally had something we could uh, ski and snowshoe in. So, uh, wow. um, but then it rained. So it's it's a oh. bit messy out there right now. All right. Okay. Yeah. So we've just had bitterly cold. We haven't had the snow yet. There are snow. There is there is snow in the United Kingdom. It's just not where I live. So, um, but it's freezing cold. So. I think there's probably always snow somewhere in the United Kingdom. No, no, no. There's always rain somewhere in the United Kingdom and cloud. I don't. I, oh. I think. You're, you're getting a bit excited, suggesting we might have snow. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the weather done without even trying. How are you, mate? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, yes. Yes. Enjoying the outdoors in winter. Yes. Jolly good. All right. So, and uh, for anybody who's new to the show, we always talk about the weather. And you, Jeff, are up there in Massachusetts, and I'm here just outside of Oxford in the UK. So that's our weather report done. And then last week... Uh, we, we, we were, uh, what did we chat about last week? We chatted about our it was five, the five fundamentals essence. of marketing. Yeah, we did. That's and then the after recording that, uh, we were chatting about books like we do, cause, um, we only record a short part of our whole conversation that we have, don't we, when we get together once a week. Um, and we're chatting about books and 
I thought it was interesting because you mentioned the five dysfunctions of a team uh, by Patrick Lencioni or Lencioni from 2002. Oh, probably Lencioni. Lencioni, that's true. Lencioni. Yeah. Yeah. So apologies if Patrick listens. And then then we both reach back to our bookshelves and (laughs) we go, oh, here it is. Here it is. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So if anybody's ever seen me on video or photo, they'll know that there's bookshelves behind me. And um, yeah, and there it was. Simultaneously, both plucked it out. And I thought we'd make chat chat about that this week. And it isn't because it fits my strict show editorial policy of having five effing things, because it is the five dysfunctions of a team uh, and having discussed five things last week. Um, But what we were talking about last week, and this is why we got onto the topic of this book, is that one of the things we were talking about about our five effing marketing fundamentals is the amount of it is about people. Right. And this is a classic leadership book that talks about people and the team. Um, the other thing is, coincidentally, today I was listening to some Seth Godin. He was talking about, um, no, I was reading a Seth Godin book. Uh, and he was talking about the purpose of a bee for hive is not to create honey, it's a byproduct of a successful hive, which I thought was a nice reference to mm. a, a productive team that we're not there to create money. We're, we create a, a successful hive. The, Byproducts would be the honey or the money, whatever it is you want to say that marketing produces. <laughs> honey or the money. <sighs> and one of the ground rules. Whatever the, whatever the, it's whatever the queen wants. <laughs> <laughs> the money or the yeah, honey. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, <laughs> uh, but we're not, I mean, we're going to discuss the dysfunctions of a team. And one of the rules I think we've discussed is that we, we won't name and shame. <laughs> yes there's there's too many to shame because <laughs> we've seen some stuff over name. Years. yeah we've seen some stuff so so jeff what so let's start with the book what got you into this book well you know it it, it, it was part of a group reading during one of my um you know marketing leadership stints and and frankly it was probably back in the 20 you know i don't know 2012 yeah, yeah. time frame uh, and, um, so I'm not, I can't remember, I can't remember exactly why we were reading this book. Um, <laughs> you know, whether there was a specific problem, but, but it was, there were a couple things that really impressed me about the book. You know, one is that it, it tells a great story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it starts out with a fictional story based on, you know, real life examples. And when you read it, you go, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, I've been in a company like that. Yeah. Uh, and, um, uh, so it is a great read and it does use as a great example of storytelling to introduce you to a model. Um, and the model, uh, I actually buy in the model and I think it, it, it's something that, um, you know, it, it doesn't, it hasn't become obsolete. It yeah, absolutely yeah. could work. And the book has a short set of, um, like, uh, you know, digging a little bit deeper into processes and worksheets and way you can workshop to address the five dysfunctions. Mm. Um, and it's not a long book. No, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 I think I picked it up and I, you know, I just had to do a little read, th- reread through yeah. as we were preparing for this. And it's like, I was halfway through it and going, Oh, I got, yeah. I got to put this down and uh, <laughs> prepare for the podcast. Yes, well, the, um, uh, you're right about it being, and I think that's why we started talking about this book, wasn't it? Because it tells a story, and we were talking about business books and writing business books, and the fact that this one tells a story makes it very accessible. Exactly. But, that's but it. also the topic is was so on point for what we were discussing last week that that's why we're sort of digging into a two th- a twenty one year old book or twenty two year old book, I guess this year. Yeah, it's younger than we yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, well, just uh, I mean, I got it in twenty fourteen. Uh, I actually checked my Amazon history to make. 
make sure that that's true. Uh, and, and I believe it was influenced by a chap I worked for that you know as well, Brad Heidemann at Tazoo. He was, one of these, he was one of these leaders that really encouraged you to get into this kind of thing. And it was, it was, it was a really good time. And I, yeah. at first I was wondering if we'd both been recommended it when we worked at SDL, but then we realised that perhaps that... We weren't going to name names! <laughs> you just... Whoop! <laughs> All right, so shall we kick off, kick this off? And we'll do the normal structure, which is that I'll introduce the thingy and then we'll um, discuss each of the points. So there's five yep. dysfunctions, as we've already discussed. Number one and I think we'll recognise this one, is absence of trust. The foundation of any effective team is trust. When team members are not comfortable being vulnerable with each other or admitting their mistakes, it creates a lack of trust within the team. What say you, Jeff? <laughs> well, I, you know, one of the things in, in, in our fundamentals, we talk about the master plan. Mm-hmm. And to me, one of the big takeaways from the book is that no matter how good your plan mm-hmm. is or whether you've got efficient processes documented, you got the best technology, you know, whatever, whatever it is. If the people can't work together, it's, it's not going to get the results you want. And that's, I mean, that's the scenario that the story sets mm-hmm. up. Um, so it's really, you know, are you collaborating with your other, and if you think about this from a marketing perspective, and actually I think when I went through the the book with a, with a team workshop in it, it was kind of cross-functional, mm-hmm. But even if you're thinking about it within within marketing or collaborating across cross-functional teams like marketing and sales or marketing and professional services, you know, does, does the marketing leadership help develop goals and flesh out supporting plans? Is everybody consulted at some point? Is everybody informed? Their, I mean, that's how you build the trust. And and one of the quotes from the book that I that I pulled is that you know teams that lack trust waste inordinate amounts of time and energy managing their interactions within the group it's like because things become more about the individuals and their their own whatever you know their own stake in it as opposed to what the team is trying to accomplish yeah and yeah i like that and i also like the way you've tied that up to the the master plan as well so i think if if we all know what we're doing then you can you can build that trust and one of the things i was thinking about with this was I've written about this a few times last year and it it went quite well was this this idea of fear of effing up so fofu so I've talked about having fofu and that's one of the things that I think that we need to engage with in both in terms of where I've talked about it is the concept of you know that it, as we build our personas that we when we're sell, when we're marketing to people we need to think about the fact that one of their key needs is the fear of effing up but we need to think about that within our teams as well so um, and I also wondered, what do you think about this, Jeff, that, that actually the team lead also, there's a lot of talk about being vulnerable as well. Do you think, and that builds trust, right? So do you agree with that? I think that's, yeah. yeah. And, and that's, I think one of the things that the, that, uh, the writer really, you know, focuses on is that people, I think it's one of the early things that the, in the story, the new CEO is trying to get people to be able to speak freely mm. and be vulnerable, you know, know mm. each other, you know, and have discussions and, and feel vulnerable. Cause it's like, I mean, you think about almost any, you know, family relationships yeah, or yeah. friends groups. It's like, you know, you're, you work well together usually because you, there's a, I mean, there is a bit of a vulnerability and trust yeah. uh, within the group. Yeah. Yeah. No, cool. So um, we, <laughs> I just, re- I'm always realizing the silence. I think that must be the most common phrase I use in this thing. So anyway, so number two, 
Let's go on to number two. Um, fear of conflict. So I think the one things that you, you, are, you discover when you read this book is these all ladder on top of each other, don't they? So the next one is fear of conflict. So healthy conflict is essential for productive teamwork. Teams that avoid conflicts tend to make suboptimal decisions. When team members fear conflict, they hold back their ideas and opinions, which can hinder progress. And what I thought about this, so I'm going first here, <laughs> is that um, I think this is especially difficult for introverts on the team because I'm a bit of an introvert myself. Um, so I have an empathy for this. And I think there's a challenge for marketers to make sure they seek everyone's input. So I think this fear of conflict is an easy thing to say that you want everybody to trust and this whole kumbaya thing and everybody speaks their mind. But I think some people are more predisposed to have that fear of conflict, right? If they're, if they're introverts or people pleasers, it's very difficult for them to do that. And I had an example, and, and I think as well, is like sometimes we set ourselves up where we need to have that conflict. Like, so for example, in agile methods where you, you have a stand up and stuff, where you get everybody in the room and everybody has to express their, their view. Um, but I've, I've had, I've managed a team of developers when I was in the US the first time. And I had one guy that was really shy and hated meetings. And that was, that kind of environment was really hard for him. So therefore, I just changed the way that I managed the team. And I went around and asked everybody's opinions and got some people together and not others. But he was a brilliant developer and he was valuable in the team and we needed him and we needed his input. So I think that's a management problem, isn't it? Is that how do you, how do you enable the, the, that conflict, uh, you know, yeah. without actually having conflict? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, 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 one of the quotes I pulled on this topic from mm. the book was great teams do not hold back on one another. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they, the author cites a number of references with team members, like excusing themselves from meeting. It's like, Oh, I got something better to do. Mm. Uh, or as you said, not speaking up, you know, maybe they're perhaps a bit shy. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe employees may, you know, and obviously conflict often comes in meeting context, but sometimes it's also outside of meetings, but yeah. sometimes the employee might not think a meeting is important or what they're thinking of or what they've got on their laptop is more important than what's being yeah. discussed, or I've got nothing to add to this, or if I add something, somebody's going to like snap back at me. Yeah. So managing, I mean, this is, this is where leaders do have to come in, as you said, and kind of mm. make sure that discussions have purpose, attendant results, and that you're, you're managing to maximize the input and getting mm. that consent and agreement uh, uh, as a result of, um, of whatever the discussion for whatever the purpose is. Cool. And then, so that moves us neatly onto number three, which is what you were discussing there, which is that people are attending the meeting, but they're not really engaged. So the third one is lack of commitment. Without open and healthy debate, team members may not fully buy into the decisions. But this leads to a lack of commitment where team members may not support or execute decisions with enthusiasm, which I liked. Now, what I, what, what this made me think of was, and you've mentioned this already, but our first fundamental, which is the mon which is the master plan. And I think if you have everybody bought into the plan and therefore naturally they then buy into the decisions to execute the plan, because we're all agreed where we need to go and we can logically see what those steps are. So then everybody gets gets engaged. And it also, if we create that master plan, it also gives us an, an OKRs and all that other stuff we talked about in the past. It also gives us guide rails and a culture for asking why. So why are we doing this, boss? It, does this match with the master plan? Does it match with the OKRs? And I think 
and and or as I would say, as we talked about last week as well, does this create art? Does this create awareness, revenue, trust? Is this part of the goals of the marketing team? So I think that lack of commitment and having that healthy debate, you need to have that master plan in order to have the guardrails for that conversation, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Totally agree. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, it's, it, it, uh, this made me think that one of the companies I, I worked at, they had a term called terrorists mm-hmm. for people who, um, you know, whether they thought they were smarter than the management or they just had a different idea and they would either ignore or undermine, go their own, own way. And it's like, oh, my gosh, if you can't get people to commit to the plan, then yeah. you're, you know, you're going to destroy the, the team dynamics. And then obviously you're not going to get yeah, the, yeah. the results from that. And, yeah. and there's a, there's a interesting, and there's a number of other processes I've worked with where they try to distinguish between consensus mm-hmm. you know, versus consent. Yeah. So uh, as the author said, you know, reasonable human beings do not need to get their way in order to support a decision, but they only need to know that they've had their input your opinions yes. have been heard and considered. Yeah, so yeah. again, that th- that puts the responsibility on the management to make sure we're going for consent. And there may be some people who don't agree a hundred percent, but at least mm-hmm. they're consenting to go forward. And if they're truly are terrorists, then mm. uh, you don't negotiate with terrorists. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think the, I think the end, the end result there may be obvious. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, and I also, you know, think as we were saying just now, I mean, it just gets, if you can get commitment earlier to the bigger plan and the bigger things, then these smaller decisions, these smaller commits and consensus become much easier, don't they? I mean, if fundamentally your team don't agree with your team goals, then there's a big problem and you may actually not be able to move forward. So, so yeah, so maybe change the people. But anyway, um, so we'll go to number four. Number four. Uh, and, and and again, I love the way these sort of ladder on top of each other. So it's very related to what we just talked about. It's, it's, a, it's like a pyramid. At least he has a yes, diagram of the, yeah. the pyramid. Yeah, yeah. So number four is avoidance of accountability. Teams that lack accountability often see a decline in performance. When team members are not responsible for their actions or those of their peers, it can create a culture of mediocrity and poor results. So, Jeff, I think this is you. I think this is back to the business objectives, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And that, that's why you want to ladder, you know, business objectives down to your marketing goals and objectives down to, you know, individual functional team goals and objectives. Mm. And, you know, if you can, if you can work it into your review, personal review process, ultimately down into the goals of the, of the employees. And that's, you know, it's part of building the master plan, but it's also part of just a good review process for employees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the other thing that, uh, that uh, Patrick Lencioni said was, you know, publication of goals and standards is a good way to make sh- it easier for team members to hold each other accountable. Yeah. In other words, you know, they're, they're not just on a, a, a drive somewhere in a document, you know, buried, they're, mm. they're published, you know, printed, whatever they're, you know, on posters. <laughs> I mean, actually, you know, I mean, we used to do that at one of the companies is, you know, the team, the, the company mission and other things, you know, make a poster, yeah, yeah. stick it up yeah. just so everyone sees it and, it and it's a reminder. Yeah. Well, I, what I like there is, um, is this idea that team members hold each other accountable. I think that is uh, the function of a good team, isn't it? It's not just the boss that's holding everybody accountable. And I think that's when you have a really good master and really good objectives and everybody can see them and everybody can look at 
their peers and go, are they contributing to work to the overall journey? Are they pissing into the tent or pissing out of it as to use a crude expression? I think yours terrorist one was, was probably better marginally. (laughs) (laughs) But I also think that when it comes to this, this is, um, I think marketing might be especially susceptible to this because we're always, we're on that sort of hamster wheel of doing the things. I think it's sometimes hard, particularly in silo, in big organizations that siloed. Oh, very much so. And they're, they're siloed either by you know channel or function or department whatever it's hard for them to see that bigger picture and it really then just to put the onus on the leadership team to make sure those objectives are really clearly communicated down don't they and i think um i also think that our fifth fundamental the machine is part of this as well because i think if you use common tools things like asana for example and goal tracking tools then everybody has visibility of what the objectives are for everybody everybody knows what everybody's working on and then you've got that transparency that i think you're referring to there just now absolutely yeah yeah. so okay so that's number four that was avoidance of accountability and then we move to his fifth and final one is in in attention to results. The ultimate dysfunction occurs when team members prioritize their personal agendas over the team goals, team's collective goals. Effective teams focus on achieving the best outcomes for the organization rather than individual success, which, again, is the cherry on top of what we've already been discussing, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes. It's like a cocktail. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> it's like true. a multi-level cocktail. Yeah, yeah. And we're sort yeah. of back to the master plan, aren't we? So I think it's, a, it's, it's what we were talking about just now, which is the effective management of goals and OKRs should align somebody's personal goals with the organizational goals, right? So if we're reviewing somebody's individual performance, we should make sure that what we have them doing are their personal goals, but also those personal goals ladder up to to the goals of the business. And I think it goes back to probably what I was just saying as well about the fact that we can have misaligned functional and siloed goals and sometimes you get the behaviour you measure. I did a consulting gig when I was uh, when I was actually with Tazu. We just mentioned Tazu a moment ago. And we were working with a CMO and he knew something was wrong with his organisation and what it actually was was all the silos had these different goals and they weren't the it was inco it wasn't a coherent marketing strategy across the piece they were kind of working against each other so as you know some people had goals that were based around web traffic and other people had goals that that where that would be counter to that so i think that's important isn't it <laughs> it, it, it is and, it, and i mean this is also an example of which the author admittedly says these even though these things kind of stack on mm-hmm. one on top of the other they're just there's a lot of of overlap. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're different, distinct aspects, but they kind of, a lot of times they tie back to uh, at least similar ways of, of correcting the dysfunctions. Yeah. Um, one of the things I thought about this is the, why it's, it shows why you need a good analytics team, yeah. whether that's, you know, part of the machine and marketing ops or not. Uh, but it, it's like you, you need to report at various levels mm-hmm to get people to be focused on the results. So the CMO is reporting to the board or the executive team, yeah. functional leaders report to the CMO teams need to be reporting on whether tactics are working, you know, whether it's events or yeah. ads or emails or whatever. And, and it all should be based on a performance versus goals or targets. Mm. Uh, and, you know, it needs to be reviewed on a regular basis as opposed to mm. end of year or, you know, even just half year. I mean, it's, uh, and this is why, you know, um, 
processes like agile become effective because it's like, you know, you go through two week yes. you know, cycles of which people yeah, are reviewing yeah. what happened and what's working, what's not working. Yeah. Uh, and reporting out to their their internal and external customers. Yeah. So, um, and also, so anyway, yeah. Also, I mean, good, it's good. this can be done. I mean, I worked in, with an organization who had OKRs that, that went from the very top level of the CEO and what the business goals are all the way down to individual uh, goals within somebody's performance review. And there was huge resistance in the organization for it because it was such a big job to get that in place and they had a whole team that sort of worked just worked on that but actually once it was in place it was brilliant for that because then you could just see the individual actions of every team member laddering right up to a revenue goal for example or whatever other sort of goal the ceo had and, so and and to me because we did the same thing mm. at one of the companies i don't think it was the same one we were yeah. that we were both at but it, it it did. I thought it made the review process easier. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. And you could, when the end of the year comes, you could say, I know we set this goal for you yeah. because of business objectives, but the business objective changed. So now, you know, so it's not as, as um, constraining as people might think yeah. it is. Uh, but it to me, it made the process of doing the review mm. uh, much easier. Yeah, well, I can tell you that we definitely didn't have that at the company we both worked <laughs> together. That was the most siloed organization yes. ever. Anyway, yes. so that's our five. So that's, well, not our five. It's uh, it's the, the five that were lent to us by Patrick Len Lencioni. Sioni. Lencioni. Uh, so those five were the five dysfunctions of team are absence of trust, fear of conflict, lack of commitment, avoidance of accountability and inattention to results. And I shall also include a link to the book and anything else I can find that will help people navigate through those five in the show notes. And it only leaves me to ask you, what are we going to play out with? Then, Jeff, I know you've got some ideas here. I know, you know, and, and I, I, I don't want to you know, emphasize the negative, but uh, <laughs> there was a, a great tune that I found. Actually, there were, there were a lot of songs called Dysfunctional, which I was I thought, is that a bad comment on our society? <laughs> um, uh, but this one was by Kate Trinata. And Van Jess, mm -hmm. uh, 2021, uh, the one of the uh, the more positive things that they said in this song was, this shot's going to be mine. Let's try to rewind. Wow. So if you find yourself in a dysfunctional mm. team scenario, uh, get the book, listen to our podcast, get the book. And uh, as I said, there's lots of good tips as to how to correct it cool all right well we'll try and uh, end on a positive but i shall play out with uh, with that team which i am completely unfamiliar with until you introduced it to me today so so we'll play out with that and will you be in the studio will we be in the studio next week yes all right we'll then. be we'll be here so we'll see what the weather's like but uh, <laughs> yes it might be snowed in <laughs> all right <laughs> i'll see you next week cheers see ya
Thank you, Jeff. And that was a little bit of Kate Trinada and Van Jess with Dysfunctional from 2021. Not familiar with that tune at all, so first time I heard it this week. So I hope you like that. And we were quoting from the classic management book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni from 2002. And if you're not familiar with that book, it's still very relevant today. And I'll include a link to it in the show notes. Right, it's that time of the week to wind down in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar and join Chief Troublemaker at the Content Advisory, Robert Rose, for a cocktail and a marketing thought. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend, and welcome to the bar. Welcome to the weekend. Uh... Yeah, it was. It's been an interesting week, a, a new week in the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think really the first week, work week of the new year. It felt like that anyway. The first real work week of the of the year, as yeah, the yeah. you know. And of course, I couldn't be happier because you know, <laughs> to my my football team is in the playoffs, <laughs> and it's it's been a good week. <laughs> so, yeah, and well, and as I also posted on social media, the rice came out well. So when the rice comes yes. out well, you know it's been a good day. <laughs> yes, um, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Those little things, because I so agree with you on that. I mean, when I'm, when I cook, if I cook rice and it goes well, and one of my daughters loves rice, it's like this is a good day. <laughs> so yeah. When I saw that on Facebook, I thought that was great. And as for the football, I know that we didn't we didn't record your explanation of the playoffs for me last week, but you did explain the playoffs to me. So I'm all in. I'm I'm I understand what's going on and uh, and well done to your cowboys mate. <laughs> Thank you very <laughs> so much. Far, yes, anyway. we will see what happens this weekend. But yeah, yeah, literally okay. as this as this plays in the ears of yeah. your audience, it's uh you know, we, we will be one day away. So Sunday I'll either be a happy guy or a sad guy, but <laughs> pretty sure it's gonna be happy. We're they 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 better win this game. That's that's um, anyway, so we have a lovely drink. We have a lovely, wonderful cocktail. Uh-huh. A you know, in, in the spirit of the playoffs and the spirit yes. of sort of the Sunday guacamole, you know, Ooh, chips, yes. hot dogs, queso, uh, sort of trash food, as it were, game food. We have a drink that is 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 uh, in celebration of that, and we call it a blue motorcycle. Um, <laughs> and uh, a blue motorcycle. Is it's kind of like a Long Island iced tea, um, mm-hmm. but as you'll understand quickly, it's blue, um, <laughs> and it's it, it's meant it's meant to be well. It's it's good for day drinking, but you need to not have anything to do that evening. Let's just put it that way, <laughs> um, because it starts with. Uh, so these are all going to be parts, right? So depending mm-hmm. on how many you're making for your uh, uh, yourself, it's one part vodka, one mm-hmm. part tequila one part rum and one part gin. So, you know, I've already <laughs> basically, you know, put everybody to, uh, to, to bed there. Um, and then basically one part, uh, blue curacao, um, which of course so, is yeah, a liqueur. Yeah. Um, and then, um, basically then you put in, uh, take all that and then mix in as much as you feel like you need to based on how much you want to water this down. Um, some sort of flavored carbonated water, right? So it could be, okay. it could be a lemon flavored, uh, tonic water or it could, eh, tonic water probably isn't going to be as good as, as sort of just a sparkling yeah. water, or you can do what I do, which is <laughs> you can put in just regular good sparkling water, 
Um, but mm-hmm. then squeeze in like a bunch of limes or lemons, whichever is your, mm-hmm. your nice. favorite, and then put all that in together, um, shake it up and pour it over the rocks. Um, and you have yourself a, what was called a blue motorcycle and it will make you want to crash <laughs> that motorcycle. Um, because <laughs> it's, a, it's a stiff drink. Let's put it that way. It's a stiff drink. I love your day drinking game, mate. That is a good, that is a good, solid day drink. Well, it's, you know, I mean, it, it is, look, it's a, it's, it's a high bar when you talk to people in England, right? I mean, so, you know, yeah. day drinking in England is a different sport altogether from day drinking here in the yeah. U.S. You know, there's a we'll great, there's a wonderful meme going around that I've seen where two English guys are looking at, it's saying basically, so you're telling me you had a glass of wine and then you had another glass of wine and you're feeling like you need to stop drinking. What, what, what are you crazy? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) they're like, that's our warm up. (laughs) Well, we do our best. (laughs) Yeah. Which is why we have this section in the bar, I guess it just plays. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. (laughs) All right. So we're going to be drinking these blue motorcycles and it sounds like we're going to be drinking them during the day. And where will we be drinking these then Robert? In front of the game? Uh, you know, I, I think what we're going to do is we're going to find ourselves a good match. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Tottenham just played, yes, um, last week, yes. I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think we need to find ourselves a great, you know, and I'm going to leave it for you for this, um, whatever <laughs> is coming up here in terms of, yes. a, a, of a great soccer match where we can so put man. this drink right. into like a can. I don't know how you do that in, 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 in England, whether you put it into a little <laughs> canteen or whether you've got a little uh, secret yeah. flask or something like that, yeah. that you can sneak into the game and, and, uh, <laughs> and vibe from, uh, and watch a great match, uh, as we have these blue motorcycles. <laughs> Uh, there's so much I could explain there. You're not allowed to drink alcohol in the No, I know. And, I know you're not. And, and you're not so you're not allowed to drink in you're not allowed to drink in the US here either unless you buy it, ah. you know, you can buy beer of course at yeah, the yeah. Uh, at the concession stand and and I realize that but that's why you need a flask or a yes. something, you know, <laughs> hot, you know it. to 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 sneak it. in. Yeah. And by the way, it would not be Tottenham. They've got a lovely ground, but it would not be Tottenham. It would be my my team, Chelsea, for sure. Of so course, you're a Chelsea fan. Yes, I, knew, I know that you're a Chelsea fan. <laughs> All I knew was well, that Tottenham had played last weekend, yeah. We can watch your, uh, we can watch your team. But we're, we're, we're watching the sports, and um, there's bound to be a break during the sports in which we start to talk about marketing. What are we talking about this week, Robert? Well, we're going to continue a little bit of the discussion that we had from last mm-hmm. week, because I figured with the first week of the new year, the first work week yes. of the new year, we can take one more lesson as we get, you know, firmly entrenched into our, into our work Mm. life, um, as we come into 2024. And, you know, the interesting thing is, is that we often come into new years with, you know, like I said last week with the idea of a word or resolutions Mm. or Mm. all of those things. And the interesting thing is what I notice is, and I noticed this in particular, um, uh, as I was even talking about my word with other people was how many people focus on quote unquote, fixing themselves. Right. In mm-hmm. other words, the resolution or the word or the intentions that they set for the new year is often about fixing 
something that they think is broken in <laughs> yeah. themselves. Yeah. And, you know, they want to do better. They want to think smarter. They want to feel guilty less often. They want to change a habit, whatever it is. And I, and I think all that introspection can be really positive, but it's also easy to fall into a trap where you are punishing yourself with an improvement plan. Basically, you're, you're saying, I need to punish myself with this improvement plan. And by the way, you can even start to blame others for subtly getting in the way of your improvement plan. And it's the blame part of that that's really, really difficult. So, and I'll give you an example of this. I was working with a client um, and we were talking about exactly this. And as he was putting his intentions for the new year, he has a team and he, in, in the company and they you know went through a lot of change last year. And, and uh, he was telling me he wanted to pivot his style. He wanted to improve his leadership style from less of a command and control type of thing to much more collaborative. He wanted to be more collaborative and he wanted to become more of an operational lead rather than sort of a singular subject matter expert. And so he was mm -hmm. thinking about all these things that he wanted to change to change his role uh, and in what he wanted to do. And then he said something that really I thought was interesting and really threatened to sabotage himself, which is he said, you know, members of my team, a few members of my team anyway, have really prevented this from happening in the past. And he said, so another goal I have to have this year is getting them on board because they're to blame in many ways for my wow. inability to do this. <laughs> and and I've fallen into this trap too, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we all do at some point. You, you focus on self-improvement, but we extend the analysis to those that are in our closest mm -hmm. circle, right? So, mm -hmm. And sometimes it's really so subtle that you don't even notice it. And mm -hmm. you forget first of all, that they're probably doing the same thing you are, the same kind of self-reflection that you're doing. And then yeah. you also assume that they're going to be a hurdle to any change that you want to make. And mm -hmm. what it reminded me of was something that I went back and reread over the holidays, which is uh, one of my favorite Buddhist philosophers is Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, and mm -hmm. he has this advice and he says, when you plant lettuce, if it doesn't grow well, you don't blame the lettuce. And, <laughs> right. and, and what he means is, is that he says that blame is, is, is really a useless thing. He said this has, okay. blame has no positive effect. It doesn't try to persuade. It doesn't try to influence. It just blames. And he said, you know, you know basically, you have to show understanding. Under, if you understand and you show and demonstrate that you understand, then you can love and the situation, no matter what it is mm -hmm. you're trying to change, can change. And mm -hmm. so what I suggested to my friend who was in this, you know, sort of, you know, this, this mix that he was trying to improve himself was to actually, you know, basically feed his team understand his team, understand their issues. And that would be the thing rather than trying to force them or persuade them to get on board with what he was trying to do. And then ultimately it became this thing where, you know, he, he, you know, it, it came down to this, Thich Nhat Hanh had this wonderful, he talked at this um, event where he tells this beautiful story. And as he ends the story about, you know, basically the lettuce and don't blame the lettuce, he heard mm -hmm. this, very young girls tell his mother, you know, Hey, remember to water me. I am your lettuce. And oh, no. basically, yeah, that's my message is, is as you come into 2024, ask mm -hmm. yourself who or what is your lettuce and how will you keep it watered?
Nice, nice. I like that. Very deep. And um, and just as a reminder, I liked your your word last week was imagination, wasn't it? For this year, that's right. Your word yeah. of the year. So just as a reminder for people. So um, how? So what? So what is? Can I ask what your lettuce is going to be? Is it you? You know, it is. Is a couple of things, right? Mm-hmm. It is. You know, I have partnerships with mm-hmm. companies. Um, that in many ways have, uh, fostered so much of my growth and, and in many ways can often feel like I'm, you know, have been hurdles for me, Mm -hmm. um, because of where I spend my time. You know what I mean? In other words, where am I spending my time that I'm not being productive or I'm not feeling like I'm creating the world that I want to create. And it is being more conscious of understanding there, you know, so it's, it's very much a seek first to understand and then be understood sort of idea. Um, and then, and, and understanding more where I am adding value rather than where I am seeking to receive value and making that judgment rather than sort of what I, where I think I can get, right. What, what, what do I think I get, you know, what's in it for me. Right. Right. Um, and if I'm adding value, then it's probably worth doing. Um, yeah. And and if I can identify the value um, that I'm receiving or or can identify with my pleasure of adding the value, then it's worth doing. Mm-hmm. And that understanding is about, you know, fostering those relationships rather than sort of looking at them as, as impediments to doing the things that right. I need to do or want to do. Right, right. So these relationships are your lettuces that you're gonna you're gonna Indeed. be needing to nurture. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Indeed, I like that. So, um, so that's fantastic. And um, I know there's a lot of change going on. I want to make the transition from lettuces to your website. So I know there's a lot of change going on in your little garden allotment, whatever it is, where your lettuces are. Um, where can people find content about your lettuces? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should rename my website to where the lettuce grows. Um, yeah. You know, yes, we are redesigning our site, but in the meantime, you mm-hmm. can find us at contentadvisory.net. Lots of change going yeah. on for us early in the year um, yeah. where we are changing the methods and, and whatnot of the way that we're delivering our services and what we're delivering and lots of change going on for us. So we're actually, yeah. you know, starting off the new year on a, on a hopefully new and renewed foot so yeah stay yeah. tuned there yeah. splendid yeah i enjoyed chatting about that before we hit record and when people spin the dial on the interwebs where are they going to find you linkedin primarily um uh-huh. i'm also enjoying threads so mm. i would love to connect with everybody there i'm off of x um yes. and uh and also come and check out the we our little youtube channel for our podcast yeah. is growing and growing yeah. and growing we're having a ton of fun there um yeah. and so uh, joe and i are just having a great amount of fun You're, sort of trying to grow the podcast on youtube yeah i mean i'm i'm still an audio listener so i do but i do try and catch the youtubes uh if i because i i listen to you when i go for walks so therefore um it's hard to do when we're having YouTube. a ton of fun but with I the youtube shorts it. it's yeah it's the youtube yes. shorts that are really that, that are really that's what i was just uh, yeah that's what i was just about to mention is but i am catching the youtube shorts which is which is fabulous and i think your podcast is on a bit of a roll at the moment i think the last three i mean you're I've, I enjoy, I've enjoyed your podcast for years, but the last, the last uh, three or four, I think you've, you're really nailing something. So I think you're onto something. Yeah. Uh, and of course, 
there's always the football talk, which for me is an education. So, <laughs> so and yeah, your podcast well, is, um, is This Old uh, this Marketing, old marketing yeah. which people can find at thisoldmarketing.com now, isn't it? It was a... There it is, thisoldmarketing.com. Yeah, you can get site. to it. Yep. All right, cool. And for me, will you be in the bar next week? Ah, uh, indeed. Oh, yeah. Cheers, man. Thank you, Robert. As a gardener, I love that quote. When you plant lettuce, if it does not grow well, you don't blame the lettuce. It may need fertiliser or water or less sun. You never blame the lettuce. From Thich Nhat Hanh, a Vietnamese Buddhist monk and peace activist. So that's a wrap on episode 200 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks to Jeff and Robert for sharing their insights. You can find links to us, our work, and all the things we discussed in the show notes on rockstarcmo.com, along with our blog, newsletter, and all of our previous episodes. Thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track, and jiving along with us. I would love to hear from you. So please say hello or drop us a rating or review in your favourite podcasting app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, more of the same. Jeff and I will be discussing our Rockstar CMO rider, what we think a new marketing leader should look for in a new gig. And I'll wind down the week with Robert for a cocktail and a fresh marketing thought. Until then, have a great week. I hope you can join us here next Saturday on Rockstar CMO FM. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.